The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that so often it looks like you're passing through, but then you reach out and you pay attention to us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this word. We ask you to cause it to go deep into our hearts, to do that which you have sent it forward to. We pray that you would anoint Randall as he brings this word to us, that it would quicken our spirits, and that we would leave changed by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Nancy. All right, well, good morning. Really energetic today, huh? You're feeling it too. You're feeling it too. It's like, ah, oh, good morning. Um, so next week, we're going to have Giving Sunday, and it's just an opportunity for us as a church to really bring um, an offering to the Lord and just say thank you. Thank you, God, for all that you've done. And uh, it's exciting because we're able to partner with uh, some of the refugees that we've been able to partner with in the past. Uh, so we're going to get gifts together for them. And there's going to be a tree out in the lobby. So you can just pull off uh, just a you know, little thing off the tree, a little ornament off the tree, and be able to come back December 10th and bring that uh, back, a gift for a, a kid that's a, that's a refugee in our community, but also for one of the kids um, that's really struggling um, at our local school. And so these are just great opportunities for us to say, hey, this is why we're here um, to give back, no strings attached, because that's what we believe Jesus has done for us. And so that's what we've been talking about in this series. Uh, we've been going through a series called A Generous Life, how grace changes everything. And uh, today we're looking at the life of a man named Zacchaeus in Luke 19, 1 through 10. And this message is particularly uh, talking about a a life of surrender. Um, But not begrudging, but a joyful surrender. And so today we see Zacchaeus and he gives and he says, it's not because I have to, but I, I really get to give. Um, you know, we just had Thanksgiving this past week, and I hope it was enjoyable for, for all of you um, as we're celebrating this time, you know, of being thankful for what we have. And so um, my, me and my family were able to get together with some friends and some, some people, and so we're, we're transplants here, and uh, we were able to get together with some other transplants and, you know, have a good time and, and just enjoy uh, food and, and time together. And one of the things that we do every, every time is just... Um, you know, we, we, we read a scripture, we say, here's how we can be thankful for what we have. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we spent some time doing that. 
But um, the thing about Thanksgiving is it, it kind of ends there a lot of the times for our lives. And, and it was meant to be so much more. Recently read a, a quote, uh, Timothy Keller said, you know, it's one thing to be grateful. It's another to give thanks. Uh, gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. So a lot of the times Thanksgiving is something where we, we come together and we're, we're, we're grateful for what we have, but there is a level of, of sacrifice when we talk about Thanksgiving. It's, it's giving something. It's sacrificing. It's surrendering. And so it's a posture in life that we take. See, today's text is, is about a man who embodies this. You, you see, you and I, we, we need this story today because here's the scary reality. Studies are showing that even though we are one of the wealthiest nations in the world, more and more of us aren't even grateful. We're not even grateful. In November 2015, Amy Morin wrote an article in Forbes magazine entitled, Survey Reveals Surprising Reasons Why Americans Aren't Likely to Be Thankful This Thanksgiving. And here's what she says. She says, uh, the research is clear. Gratitude is a superpower. Grateful people enjoy benefits such as improved physical and emotional health, better relationships, higher self-esteem, and longer lifespans. Despite the benefits of gratitude, many people aren't grateful, not even on Thanksgiving. According to a surprising new survey, the survey sheds light on why people aren't thankful during the holiday season. Uh, three in five Americans say they'd rather do something else other than reflect on what they're thankful for on Thanksgiving. Top activities respondents gave priority over being thankful included watching football, watching streaming media, reading a book, or spending time with a pet. A whopping 71% of Americans say the holidays caused them stress. When asked about their sources of stress, shopping for gifts topped the list. Spending time with family was a second, a, a close second, uh, followed by cooking big holiday meals. Despite the acknowledgement of the lack of gratitude, 92% of Americans believe the holidays are a time to say thanks to friends and family. Listen to this. Yet, one in five confess they tend to be more thankful for material possessions than people. That's long. That's a long quote. But it's important for us to get this. Right? As there's surveys and studies, more research, there's something wrong. See, we, we are on a dangerous path I remember graduating from high school, it was 2001, uh, shout out to 2001, and um, you know, my grandparents growing up were, were very generous people, very generous people. And uh, you know, I, I started hearing as, as we got closer to graduation about um, all the things that my friends were getting. They're getting like big checks from their family and so all these things are coming in for them. I said, why is that not happening for me? So I called up my grandmother. I said, Grandma, um, all my friends are getting all this stuff for graduate. I didn't even know you, that happens. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, how's things going? What's going on? And she said to me pretty bluntly, she said, Randall, where's my announcement? Announcement. And then I remembered that thing I left on my desk, that big box full of announcements that I was supposed to send out to people and tell them that I was graduating. I didn't do that. See, as I look back, 
my grandmother's response was appropriate. And it was a warning for me that I was on this dangerous path. I was on this path of entitlement and expecting that I was gonna get something, but not being willing to even sit down and say, Grandma, I'm graduating soon. Today, Zacchaeus responds to Jesus because Jesus gives him this gracious wake-up call. He gives him a wake-up call. See, what's your view on life? Is it one filled with gratitude and joy? Or is it filled with entitlement, expectation, and ultimately emptiness? In today's text, we meet Zacchaeus, and he has a lot of material possessions. He has a lot of wealth. But Jesus describes him as lost. See, but after meeting Jesus, his life is radically changed, and he's marked by gratitude and joy. So, so where did this transformation happen for him? It started with simple surrender. When he let go, when he trusts Jesus. See, God has designed all of us to live a surrendered life and also a joyful life. You see, one of the things that I find, even in our culture, as much stuff as we have, how much has the world just gone completely negative? It's, it's depressing at how negative our world has become. We're not grateful. We just continue to want more and more and more. See, God has not designed us for that. So how does God transform us from the inside out? Again, our text today is Luke 19, one through 10. And just to give some background, Jesus is passing through an area called Jericho. And what we find out is that through different scholars and historians during the, that, that time in history, Jericho was a booming place. It was a wealthy city. And the wealth in that city is probably the reason why Zacchaeus is so rich. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And so in that city, there was a lot of tax to be given. And we find that Zacchaeus was right in the middle of it. See, earlier in Luke 18, Jesus met a man who seemed to have it all together. And he was rich and he was very religious. They call him the rich young ruler. But after talking with Jesus, it says that in Luke 18, 23, he, he became very sad. See, Jesus gives this challenge to him that he doesn't give anywhere else in scripture, but he gave it to this specific guy. He says, I want you to sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and come follow me. You look back and you say, well, why did Jesus do that to this guy in particular? Because this guy thought that he, he could do it. He could, he could follow Jesus, that he was worthy of following Jesus. And so Jesus challenged him on the very thing that he knew was the biggest problem in his life. Jesus says, give it all away and come follow me. It says the man walked away very sad. 
And we need to know this. Then Jesus responded with a shocking statement. Here's what he says. He says, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. We, people have looked at that throughout history. They say, well, camel, eye through a needle. Here's how it's possible. Um, there's this place, it's kind of like the eye of a needle, and so there's like a camel that can kind of like get down low and get through it. That's not the point here. That, that, that's not what Jesus is saying. He, he's giving this illustration that's to say, that's ridiculous. There's no way that can happen. Because then he says in verse 26 what the answer is. He says, those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. See, it is impossible for a wealthy person to get into heaven on their own strength, on their own ability. And Jesus says, what is impossible, it can only be possible through God. God does it. And so Zacchaeus is this person that's standing next to the the rich young ruler who thought he could do it on his own. And now we get this guy, Zacchaeus, and we look at him, and, and here's what it is. He is this comparison of, okay, here's how it's possible with God. Salvation is possible with God. It's open to anyone. Rich, poor, religious, rebel, greedy, fearful. God has the power to save anyone. And so Leon Morris, who's a commentator on this text, addresses the struggle. Here's what he says. He says, the affluent are always tempted to rely on earthly things. They do not find it easy to cast themselves on the mercy of God. Coming so soon after the emphatic statement about the difficulty of the salvation of the rich, this incident, Zacchaeus, must be seen as a striking manifestation of God's grace. See, it's, it's purely God who is the hero of this story of Zacchaeus. And so how does God's grace transform us into a joyfully surrendered person like him? Well, there are three things that happen for Zacchaeus. And so let's study those. The first one is this. It starts with a search for more. Second, it's a surprising interaction. And third, a sacrificial response. A search for more, a surprising interaction, a sacrificial response. So the first one, a a search for more. Look at verses two and three. It says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. And so first, we find out that he is a chief tax collector. He's not the guy on the bottom going and collecting taxes, but he's in charge of everything. He's at the top. See, being a tax collector during this time is far beyond what you or I think when we think of the IRS. And we think, oh, the IRS. I don't want to have any dealings with that. See, but it was far worse than that. In short, he sold out his his own people to work for the Romans and became rich off of their oppression. His own people were being oppressed and he was gaining wealth off of this. 
He was a sellout. He'd burned bridges. He did whatever it took to get to the top. And here's the thing about Zacchaeus, he made it. He made it to the top. We have a culture where we're fascinated by wealth, success, fame, and power. And some of us are willing to do whatever it takes to get it. And what we know is there's only a small percentage of people who, who really like get to the top in the elite. It's a level of life that many of us will probably never reach. But in humanity's search for more, here's the thing. The handful of people that get there find out that it is empty. It's empty. Cynthia Heimel, who, she's a humorous writer, columnist, and she knew a, a lot of celebrities before they became famous, wrote a column in the, the Village Voice, January 2nd, 1990, called Tongue in Cheek. And here's, here's what she says. She says, I pity celebrities. She said, no, I really do. Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Barbara Streisand, were once perfectly pleasant human beings, but now their wrath is awful. You see, Sly, Bruce, and Barbara wanted fame. They worked, they pushed, and the morning after each of them became famous, they wanted to take an overdose. Because that giant thing they were striving for, that, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make their lives bearable, that was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness had happened and they were still them. The disillusionment turned them howling and insufferable. As Zacchaeus has gotten to this place in life where he, he, he's got it all. He's reached the top. He's still searching. He's still looking. It's only an embodiment of where he really felt lost. See, he'd sold out to get everything he thought he wanted and it wasn't enough. So there's this deep search for more. And he thought to himself, Maybe if Jesus is willing to talk to tax collectors, he might be willing to talk to me. And so he seeks and he looks for Jesus. And then what happens next? The second point is a surprising interaction. You find it in verses four through six, it says, so he ran on ahead and, and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that, the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and, and received him joyfully. So, so what we find out about Zacchaeus earlier in verse three is that he's small in stature. If you grew up in church, you, you probably remember the little songs and, uh, about Zacchaeus being a wee little man. But Zacchaeus, 
in his search, had this crowd of people that probably hated him. Because again, he was the very one who was oppressing them. And so he comes along into the crowd and they say, there's no way that you're coming in here. There's no way that Jesus wants to see you. One commentator talks about how he's probably beaten and bruised at this point because he was hated and he was small in stature. And so what does he do next? It says he runs to this sycamore tree. You see, there, there were obstacles for Zacchaeus to meet Jesus. I mean, legitimate obstacles. But he wouldn't let those things hold him back. He, he didn't make excuses and give up. But he climbs a tree. Like a child would climb a tree. You see, Jesus says that it's childlike faith, that you come to me with childlike faith and I'll receive you. This rich man was making a fool of himself as he climbs into the tree. But he wanted so badly to see Jesus. You see, there's something about kids, man. Like my, last night, my four-year-old, okay, she, her name's Ava. She's a funny little girl. But they were throwing around candy, okay? They're throwing around candy and somehow, candy gets like stuck in the ceiling. And so we're having dinner, and Ava hasn't forgot about her candy. She's like, it's up there. And so she looks over and she's like, okay, guys, here's what we're gonna do. She says, daddy's gonna get the ladder, and I'm gonna climb the ladder and get my body onto the ceiling and I'm gonna get the candy out and then I'm gonna come down and everything's gonna be okay. And I said, no, you're not doing that. That's not happening. See, when you really want something, you become very resilient to the point where my four-year-old was willing to risk herself and her safety by climbing this ladder. And so Zacchaeus, after fighting through the adversity, climbing into the tree, has this surprising interaction that changes his life. Verse five says this, that, that Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. See, Jesus is making a very clear point here. He's saying, you're the last guy that I should be staying with. But I, I, want, I want you to know, because of my grace, because of my love, because of what I'm here for, my mission, I came to be with people like you that were lost, that are far off, so out of all the people I could be staying with, I must stay with you. I must. 
Jesus is making the point that nothing is impossible with God. Remember Luke 18? When he says that a rich man getting in, nothing is impossible with God? See, what he's saying is that no one can outrun the grace of God. We can't outrun it. Today, there are some of us who might think there's no way that God could love me. I feel a lot like Zacchaeus. I'm a sellout. God, I haven't lived the way that I know I should. And that's the people God is looking for, to say, that's why Jesus came. See, this story should shatter our doubts, should help us to know that God is able. And when when Zacchaeus saw this, it says that he responds joyfully. See, he understands that Jesus astoundingly accepts him and loves him right where he's at. And that nobody in that crowd would have loved him like that. Because as he looked around, he, he, he saw that these are all people that he knows and that know him and that know that he's a sellout. Jesus looks upon him and says, I'm staying with you. It's a surprising interaction. But then we get to the third point, a sacrificial response. Look at verses seven through nine. And when they, the crowd, saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner? Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. It's a sacrificial response, but, but where does this sacrifice start? See, you see, our eyes quickly go to Zacchaeus' response, and we say, Wow! Look at all that he gave away. Look at what he's doing. But that's not where it starts. That's not where the sacrificial response starts. It starts with Jesus. It starts with people maligning Jesus' reputation for even associating himself with this man. And he does it at the most intimate level. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. See, we don't appreciate it in this culture today of what is being said here. Because when Jesus is saying, okay, I'm gonna come to your house, I'm gonna be a a, a guest in your house, he's basically saying, okay, I'm aligning myself with you. And so that's what brought out the response from everybody. They said, Jesus, so you're going to go align yourself with a man like this, a traitor, a backstabber, a liar, a cheat? What is this? It's pure grace. 
He didn't deserve it. See, what does it cost Jesus to align himself with Zacchaeus? His safety, his reputation, his life. Jesus is putting himself in harm's way for the sake of Zacchaeus. And, and this is what that is. It's the gospel. It's the good news. Because it's not just Zacchaeus that he did this for, but when he aligns himself with you and me, he puts himself in harm's way. He puts his reputation on the line. And we get Zacchaeus' response in verse eight. Zacchaeus says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He says, if Jesus is willing to sacrifice like that for me, then I will sacrifice the very thing that my reputation is built upon. Money, wealth. See, I don't want anything to hold me back from Jesus. Let's think about this. It would be very hard for Zacchaeus to go back to what he did, his work, the next day. He, he's changing, transforming, saying, I don't, I don't want to be associated with that anymore because now, since Jesus has aligned himself with me, is associating with me, I want to be associated with him. I, I want my life to be for him. You know, somebody who did not have a great reputation in the early 2000s is a man named Michael Vick. Um, he served 21 months in prison for heavy involvement in dogfighting. And I remember seeing that and just being so disgusted. And then recently, as I was looking up on ESPN, I, uh, well, actually, during that time in prison, here's what he says after he gets out of prison. He says, I'm upset with myself, and you know, through this situation, I found Jesus and asked him for forgiveness and turned my life over to God. So that was during his prison time. But uh, ESPN this month said this. It said that he paid back 17.4 million of the 17.6 million that he owed when he filed for bankruptcy in July 2008. About this, uh, management consultant Joseph Luzinski said, paying 99 cents on the dollar, which he did, is remarkable. It happens in maybe one out of 10 cases. Here's the thing, when, when Jesus is real, like it, it's not just like, hey, I've done all these things. 
And so there's no change. It's just like, yeah, I love Jesus. But there is a true level of, of, of sacrifice that actually happens in your life when you say, okay, Jesus is real. Something's got to change in me. Jesus, help me. When we see Jesus' sacrificial response for us, the only thing that we can help to do is have a sacrificial response to him. It's my life now. I need Jesus. And so just some takeaways. Let, Let me ask three questions to help us apply this today. Here's the first one. Is there anything holding you back from Jesus? I want you to think about this story of Zacchaeus. There are a lot of barriers to him getting to Jesus. I mean, there were a lot of self-righteous religious people that were there that didn't want him to get to Jesus. And so for some of us, let me ask this. Is, has there been bad experiences with self-righteous people that you say, I'm kind of done with this Jesus thing? There are so many people that have given up on the church. Say, well, I'm, I just don't want to be a part of a local church because there's just so many bad things that happen. Here's the thing. What is keeping you back from Jesus? Because Jesus, it says that he loves the bride. His bride is the church. Yet there's so many that are trashing the church. I get it. There are things that are wrong. But when we love Jesus, we love the things he loves. And so, is it religious, self-righteous people or people that are really messed up along the way that we say, that's gonna hold me back from Jesus? Could be today, reputation. I mean, you think about his reputation in that, that area. He could have just said, you know what, people don't want me here and so I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna leave. Could have been the reputation that he carried. And so for some of us, we walk in here, we say, well, people know my reputation. They, they know that I, I would never be found in a church. I mean, even a, as a pastor, people tell me, they're like, man, if I came to your church, like you, lightning might strike, something might happen. You know, like it's just gonna be bad. No. See, he wasn't gonna let, let his reputation and how people will view him hold him back from pursuing Jesus. Might be material possessions, wealth, might be occupation. Right, but is there anything holding you back from Jesus? Because here's the thing, many of us will make excuses about what's holding us back from a deeper relationship with Jesus. And here's the thing, Zacchaeus wasn't playing that game. He was not playing that game. And here's the thing, neither was Jesus. Do, do you see that Jesus, or Zacchaeus doesn't mope around and say, woe is me, Ah, oh, nobody likes me, so I'm not gonna really go and see what Jesus is all about. Right, he doesn't make excuses, but he embraces his place in life. It says, I'm gonna do everything I can to get to Jesus. 
how many of us are fighting right now to get to Jesus? Here's what we learned from this story. When, when you step out and trust him, you'll see that it was him calling you out of the tree the whole time. It was him pursuing you the whole time. And yes, there will be some level of sacrifice. And it will be uncomfortable. And we might fight, face hardship. And people might look down upon us because they say, well, oh, you're just one of those Jesus people. But you'll have to fight through the crowd to get to Jesus. See, one of the things for me as a, as a pastor, people ask, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I can't hide it, right? Like, you know, like some people like, your occupation and stuff, you don't really have to, like, they're like, oh, you're a pastor. And so with that, there's like all these thoughts. And I'm telling you, like, there are people that look at me weird because I'm a pastor. But that's what God called me to do. And, and, and so I am thankful that I'm tied to that title. Because I, I, at the end of the day, nothing is going to hold me back from Jesus. And I hope the same thing is true for you. Even though you don't carry that title or that calling on your life, yours is just as valuable. And you holding the title of saying, I'm a Christian, it's, you're going to have to fight for it. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's just gonna happen. And so the next question is, is surrender and gratitude evident in your life? You say, well, how do I know? Ask those closest to you. Ask those who see you all the time. If you're married, how would your spouse respond? If you're single, what would your family say or your friends say? See, it was er very evident that God had changed Zacchaeus' life. Here's the thing. He wasn't required to give this much. He just wasn't at all. But he couldn't help it. He was free. John Bunyan says, a man there was, though some did count him mad, the more he cast away, the more he had. So, are we willing to, to live that, that type of life? You know, I was telling the, the team earlier, I said, I met this guy, he's a Bible teacher, and uh, he said, every time somebody said, hey man, I, I like your jacket, or I, I like your shoes, or whatever, he would just, he said, if, if anybody says that to me, I just give it to them. He's like, I'm not going to be hold, held back by possessions to, I want to surrender everything to Jesus. I was like, that's, that's crazy. But I want to be like that. I want to be like that. And the third question is, is surrender to Jesus a have to or a get to? Again, do you see the order of salvation in the story? It's revolutionary. 
the, the order is this, that Jesus calls him out of the tree. He says, come down out of that tree, Zacchaeus. Meets him right where he's at. And then Zacchaeus makes the sacrifice. It wasn't the other way around. Every other religion in the world is built off of the other way around. It's built off of you make the sacrifice and then you're accepted. Do you get what the gospel is today? The gospel is Jesus makes the sacrifice. He accepts you right where you're at because of grace. And then we sacrifice because of what Jesus has done for us. See, where, where is the gospel in this? How can Jesus call down a sinner like Zacchaeus down from the tree? It's this, because he knew that he would eventually climb the tree for Zacchaeus. Jesus would climb the tree for you and me. That's what it says in Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus became the curse that Zacchaeus deserved, that I deserve. He climbed the tree. And he paid the punishment so that we could be free. So we could surrender. And say, no longer is our lives all about me, it's about him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you sur surrendered all. You gave all. That's the gospel. And so today, if there's any of us here who've never really let that get deep down into our hearts, then it'll change us today. It'll transform us. We'll receive you with joy. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.